Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In today's shir, we will be discussing a Pasik in Parsha Shreftim and the Rashi comments on it. Uh, one of the general principles regarding Rashi's commenta- commentary on the Torah, a principle that I have discussed a number of times, is that Rashi's primary interest in his commentary is not halacha. He is not primarily coming to teach us the relevant halachas of the various mitzvahs that are mentioned in the Torah. His primary intent is, as he himself says, is to explain to us the pshutei shel mikra, the simple meaning of the psukim. Of course, sometimes what the Pasuk simply says is it tells us that we must do a certain mitzvah, and therefore Rashi may comment on that. Rashi may explain that to us. But in general, Rashi is not interested in providing us with helpful, uh, useful uh, tidbits of halachic knowledge, but rather to explain to us the simple meaning of the psukim. It therefore follows that whenever Rashi does get involved in halacha, we need to, to, to examine it, and we need to try to understand how this discussion of halacha really is necessary in order to understand the simple meaning of the Pasuk. And furthermore, on those rare occasions when Rashi mentions halachas, which are midrabonim, which are of rabbinic origin, that certainly should set off a red light in our minds and should cause us to think, why would Rashi mention a halacha which clearly does not have its direct derivation in the simple meaning of the Pasuk? Because this halacha is the Rabbanan. This is a decree that was, that was established by the Chachamim at some point in history, but in fact, the Torah itself does not obligate us in. And as we will see, there are a few places, not a lot, not many, but there are some places where Rashi, in his commentary on the Torah, mentions to, mentions to us halachas, which are dirabonin, which are of rabbinical uh, origin. Let's take a look at our Pasuk in Parshas Shreiftim. Perik Yudches, Pasuk Dalet. Reishis degoncha tiroshcha v'yitzarecha. The first of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, comma, v'reishis geis soincha, and the first of the shearings of your sheep, titain loy, you shall give to the koyim. These are two of the categories of matnes kahuna, of gifts that must be given to a kayan, you must give the first of your grain and wine and oil. We'll see soon that Rashi refers to that with the name truma. And you must give to the kayan some of the wool that you shear from your sheep. Let's see Rashi. Reish is degoncha, zo truma. This is truma. Now we will discuss later, Nitzah what exactly Rashi wants to convey to us by saying these words, Zotruma. 
Rashi continues, The Torah does not specify a shear. The Torah does not specify how much you have to give. It just says the first of your dogon. In fact, the Gemara says that that really, according to the law of the Torah, if you would have a whole big pile of grain, and out of that whole big pile of grain, you would give one little kernel of grain, one little kernel of wheat, that would exempt the entire pile from the obligation of truma, meaning that would be a performance of the mitzvah of truma, as it is written in the Torah, and you, you'd be finished. So Rashi says, like Pirish Boshir, the Torah does not specify any particular amount that you must give. Aval, but Rabbi Seinu Nosnu Boshir. But our rabbis gave it a shear, they gave a certain amount, and they said as follows Ayin Yafe Echon Me'arboya. Person who has literally a nice eye, meaning he is generous, he would give one out of 40, which would. Uh, one out of 40. Out of every 40 measures of grain, he would give one measure. Ayin ro'ah, someone who is of, literally of a bad eye, meaning somebody who is stingy, echon mishishim, he would only give one out of 60. And benoinah, someone who's in the middle, echon mechamishim, he would give one out of 50. Out of every 50 measures of grain, he would give one measure. Why is the sliding scale like this is a very interesting question. I'm not going to address that in this shia. Rashi continues, V'samchu of mikra, the Chachamim relied on a Pasuk. Now this expression, Samchu, means there is a Pasuk which, if you look at it in a certain way, it supports the idea, but it's not really the source for the idea. The, the, the real source for the idea, the real source for the Lacha is because the Chachamim so decreed it. But they found a certain support in a Pasuk, that one should not give less than one out of 60 measures. Shenemer, as it says a Pasuk in Yecheskel, you shall divide the eifa, and eifa is a certain measure of grain, you shall divide the eifa into six, divide it by six, from a chaymer of barley. A chaymer is a much larger uh, um, measure of grain. So it says you shall divide by six the eifa out of a whole chaymer of barley. So the Archachamim explained as follows. Shishisa eifa, the Pasuk is referring to the sixth of an eifa, and how much is the sixth of an eifa? Chatsi saw, it's a half of a saw. It's just different names for different measurements. Kasha'ata noisein chatsi saw the core. Now, if you will give truma of a half a saw, for a whole core of barley, and a core is equivalent to a chaymer. The, the, the psukim quote referred to this measure as a chaymer, and uh, Hazal used different words at a different time of history, and they called it a core. If you'll give a half of a saw of truma out of a core, hare echod mishishin. So it would come out that you're really giving one out of sixtieth, one out of sixty. Why? Shakur. Shleishim so'in, a kor is equivalent to 30 saw, and a shisha sa'efa is equivalent to a half of a saw. So one half over 30 is the same as one over 60. So from this pasuk, they, they found a certain hint that when one gives truma, one should not give less than 160th. But really, 
this is a this is a law derabonan. This is a rabbinical decree that you should either give one out of forty or one out of fifty or one out of sixty. Let's continue. The Reish's gaze Seincha. Also, you should give to the Kayan the first of the shearings of your flocks of sheep. Kisha'ata Rashi says, when you shear your flock, you have a whole flock of sheep. And once a year, you have to, uh, I mean, you don't have to, I suppose, but that's one of the reasons why you have sheep, is to produce wool. So once a year, you shear them. You cut off all their wool. So b'chol shana, every year, tain mimena reishis l'koyen. Give from it the reishis, the first, to the koyen. And Rashi continues, v'loy pireish v'ashir. Here also the Torah does not explicitly say an amount. How much of the wool do I have to give to the koyen? It just says I should give him the first of my wool. How much? So Rashi says, v'rabosenu nasnu v'ashir echon mishishen. Our rabbis gave it a shear. They gave a set amount, one out of 60. So if you have uh, 60 pounds of wool that you sheared off this whole uh, flock of sheep, so you have to give one pound <coughs> to the koyen, and so on. We'll skip the rest of the Rashi, but this is the basic point. Now we see in both of these Rashi comments that he is discussing halachis which are of rabbinical origin and which do not have a source in the Pasuk that we are learning. And this is, this is very noteworthy. This is something that we have to stop and we have to think about. Why would Rashi do such a thing? If Rashi's purpose, his intent in his commentary is always to tell us the Pshuta Shal Mikra. It's to tell us what the Pasuk is saying in simplicity, in a straightforward manner. So why would he add on things which are not from the Pasuk at all? They are, they are the creation of the Hachamim of a much later generation who, for whatever very good reasons, established these laws, but not because these laws are implicit in the Psukim, in the Torah. I think we can, we can explain these two Rashis as follows. Let's first concentrate on the second one. The second Rashi, as we will see in a moment, gives us a little bit more to, to work with. The Pasuk says, the first of the shearings of your flock. And Rashi, before Rashi gets into the, the question of how much you have to give, which we have questioned, but first he gives a fairly lengthy introduction. He says, when you shear your flock every year, give from it the first to the koyin. Now, what is Rashi saying? The, the famous super commentator, the great super commentator on Rashi, explains that if you look at this, these three words, if you look at them in simplicity, in simplicity, you might come to the following conclusion. You might think that this mitzvah means that when, I, when a farmer, when a shepherd shears his sheep each year, so let's say the first sheep that he shears, he, could, he should give all that wool to the koyen. Perhaps that's what it means. The first of the shearing of my sheep. 
So the first sheep that I, that I, whose wool I cut off was, was Freddie the sheep. And okay, so I'll give all the, all the wool from Freddie the sheep to the Koyan. Perhaps that's what the mitzvah means. Or he says, perhaps it means that if you, if, if a shepherd has several flocks, so the first flock that he, that he shears, or let's say the first group of, uh, of sheep, let's say you can only shear so many sheep within a day. This, this man has a thousand sheep. He can only do, let's say, he works all day long, maybe he can shear 50 sheep in a day. So the first 50, that's, maybe that's called the racious gay sancha, and maybe he has to give all of that wool to the kayak. That's what we might think simply based on a simple reading of the words. Rashi comes to tell us that that's not, that's not so. When you shear your sheep every year, meaning when you shear all your sheep, all, from all the sheep that you are shearing for the year, give some of it to the Kayan. Give a first portion to the Kayan. In other words, it's some percentage of the total. You have this, 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 uh, this is a very uh, big time shepherd. He has a thousand sheep. When he shears all of those sheep, from all of them, he must give a certain percent, a certain amount to the Kayan. Now, that's how Rashi defines the mitzvah. How does Rashi know that? Rashi needs to, to be mechazek this. Rashi needs to, to prove or at least support his opinion. How does he support it? He supports it by the fact that our, that Rabbi Seinu, that our rabbis, nosnu bo or echod mishishim. The fact that the Chachamim said that you have to give one out of 60th, Rashi's not so concerned with the number one and the number 60. But what he's concerned with is, the reason he's mentioning this is because here we see that the Chachamim understood that the mitzvah is to give a percentage of the grand total of all of this person's sign. The mitzvah is not to give just all the wool from the first sheep that you shear or all the wool from the first flock that you shear on the first day. No, the Chachamim said, shear echod meshishim. You give one sixtieth of the grand total of all the shearings from the whole flock. And this supports Rashi's explanation that this is how you do the mitzvah. So therefore, we see here, we can, we can say that Rashi is only mentioning this halacha, which is midr abonin, in order to support his understanding of the mitzvah v'araisa. It's not likely that the Chachamim would have remodeled the entire mitzvah. It's not likely that the Torah, that if the Torah said, give all the wool from the first sheep, that the Chachamim would come along and redo the whole thing and say, no, 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 you have to give one sixtieth of all the wool from the whole flock. That's not the way the Chachamim usually did things. Much more likely that if the Rabbanan said, you must give one sixtieth of the whole, of all the wool from the whole flock of sheep, from all of your sheep, so it must be that the Torah also meant that you should do something like that. You should give some percent of the total of the wool that you have, only the Torah didn't specify the percent, the Chachamim did specify the percent. That's how I think we can understand this Rashi about Reish Sagez. 
let's go back to the other Rashi about Reishis de Goncha. The Pasuk says, you should give to the Kayan Reishis de Goncha, the first of your grain. And as we mentioned, Rashi begins with two, two little words, Zo Truma. This is Truma. Now, what does Rashi want? What is he telling us with those two words? Would it make a difference if it had some other name? Why is he saying Zo Truma? So I think here he is making a very similar point to what we said in the name of Rabbi Elio Mizrahi. The words Reishis de Goncha could be interpreted in simplicity in different ways. It could mean the first of your grain, the first bit of grain that you harvest, you must give that entirely to the Kayin. Perhaps it means uh, the, way they used to, um, the way they used to harvest grain is that they would go along with a cutting tool, with a scythe, and they would cut, they would grab some wheat, a bunch of stalks of wheat and cut, and then cut some more and cut some more until it formed a certain amount. And then they would bundle that. They would tie it up and leave it on the ground. It would be collected later. So each bundle is called an oimer. So perhaps from the first oimer, from the first bundle that you take, perhaps you have to give that whole bundle to the koyen. Or maybe, maybe it goes by days. And the person has a, a very large field. He has several fields. So today he's going to cut, he's going to harvest this field. On the sub subsequent days, he's going to harvest every day another field. So maybe Reishis de Gancha means the first of my grain, meaning the first field that I am harvesting, I must give entirely to Hashem. Rashi is telling us, no, that's not the pshat. Zo truma. This is referring to a truma. And what does he mean with that? The word truma, I believe, means by definition, the definition of the word truma is where you take a large hole and you give to someone a, small, a smaller percentage. You give a portion of the whole. How do I know this? If we look in Parshas Matos, so we learn in Parshas Matos that at a certain time in the history of the B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar, they fought a war against Midian, and they were successful in this war, and they captured a tremendous amount of spoils. They, they, they captured a tremendous flocks of sheep and cattle and donkeys. And Moshe Rabbeinu uh, commanded them, You must separate. Hare Moshe is from the same Shorish as the word truma. You must separate a tax to Hashem from all of this spoils. From the people who went out to war, who went out to the army, you must give a portion of what they captured to Hashem. From the human spoils, from the people that they captured as slaves, you must give one soul from every 500. That's from the people. So out of every 500 slaves that they captured, they had to give one to the, to the Kohanim. And also there had to be a certain amount, a certain percentage given from the cattle, from the donkeys, and from the sheep. And the next passage says, from the half of the spoils 
that will be given to the soldiers, the other half would be given to all the people. But from the half of the spoils that would be given to the soldiers, you will tikahu, you will take this meches, you will take this tax, and you will give it to Elazar, the Kayan. He was the Kayan Godel at the time. Aaron had already passed away. Trumas Hashem. This is a truma for Hashem. So what do we see here about the use of the word truma, about the meaning of the word truma? It means a percentage of the whole. He didn't say over here, I want you to give truma. What's the truma? Go find out, go determine who's the first slave that you captured, where is the first group of slaves that you captured, and give all of them to Hashem. Go figure out where, what is, where was the first flock of, uh, of cows that you captured, and give all of them to Hashem. Now, it doesn't say that. It says from all of the slaves, you are to give one out of every 500. From all of the cattle, you are to give one out of uh, some different percentage, which the Psukim discuss here. So from here, I think we see that the word truma means a percentage of the whole. And I think that's what Rashi wants to tell us here. Reish is degoncha, means zotruma. It doesn't mean give the first grain of wheat completely to Hashem or give the first bundle of wheat to Hashem, regardless of how many thousands of other bundles you're going to harvest. No, it means truma. It means give a percentage, give a fraction of the whole. Now here also, Rashi has to be mechazek. He has to strengthen his opinion. He has to prove or at least provide support for his opinion. So he says, nasnu boshir. Our rabbis, although the Torah does not specify what the percent is, what the fraction is, but our rabbis did. And they said you have to give either one out of 40 or one out of 50 or one out of 60, depending on your generosity. So again, here we see that the rabbis understood the Pasuk the way Rashi understands it, that you have to give a fraction of the whole. It's not that you just give the whole first thing that you get. No, you take everything, you take your entire crop of dog and tirush v'yitzar, of grain, wine, or oil, and you give it, and you give a percentage, you give a fraction to, to the Kayan. So here also, I think this is how we can understand why Rashi gets involved with a halacha, which is only midrabanan. It's because this halacha midrabanan helps us understand what's really the structure of the mitzvah, the Arisa. What Rashi does not discuss, and it's characteristic of Rashi not to discuss this, he does not discuss what's the reason for this. Why is it that the mitzvah of Fruma is to, to give not the first item that you get, give it to Hashem, but rather to give a percentage of everything. And why is it that by Reishis Agez, the mitzvah is not to give all the wool from the first sheep, but rather to give a percentage of all the wool from all the sheep? Rashi does not talk about the reason. That's very characteristic of of Rashi. But I think there is, I think we can say there is a very interesting reason for this. If we look in the Sefer Atanya, the, the master, master work of the Rabbi Shlema Zalman Miliadi, the first Rebbe of Chabad. So in Likuti Amorim, Perik Lamed Dalit, the Alter Rebbe is discussing the mitzvah of Siddhaka. And he explains 
that when you give a portion of your money to tzedakah, not only is that money a mitzvah, of course, let's say I had $100 and I gave $10 to tzedakah. So of course, with the $10, I got a mitzvah. The $10 is mitzvah. But he says, the other $90 that's left over in your pocket has also been affected by the mitzvah. That's also not just plain money. That's not just, uh, as they say, filthy looker. That's special money. That's money that has a certain sanctity to it. We'll read just a few words from the Tanya. He says, Even if a person gives only a fifth of his money to tzedakah, that's uh, quite a lot of tzedakah, to give away a fifth of your property. But this is the example that he's using. Even if a person only gives away a fifth of his money to tzedakah, the chaymish, the fifth, is mala. It elevates all of the other four portions. The fact that you gave one fifth, now the other four fifths that you are left with, you were mala. You raised them up to a level of kedusha. That they should be a a basis, they should be a place for a Kodesh Baruch Hu to dwell, so to speak. The money that's left in your pocket also has a certain mitzvah status to it. It is also money with which, with which mitzvah has been done. And perhaps that's the idea in these halachas that Rashi is discussing here also, that let's say if you would harvest your field of grain, and so let's say from the first bundle that you bundle up, the first bit, the first uh, significant uh, amount of grain that you collected, you would take that whole thing and give it to the kayan. Well, it wouldn't be so nicker, it wouldn't be so recognizable, and it wouldn't be so significant the effect that that gift is having on everything else that you have. You may have 10,000 other bundles that you're eventually going to give. You gave just one. There's not such a strong relationship between that one that you gave and everything else that's left over because numerically there's really no relationship. I just gave the first thing that I had. Everything else, I didn't do anything with it at all. I didn't even have to measure up. I didn't have to measure how much I had altogether. But that's not the halacha. The halacha, as Rashi tells us at length, is you give a percentage of the total amount of grain that you have. You have to measure, you have to figure out, I have uh, a thousand pounds of grain that I harvest, harvested. I have to give echod uh, mishishim. I have to give one-sixtieth of that. When I'm giving one-sixtieth of the whole, then I'm doing a mitzvah with the entire whole. The sixtieth, perhaps more so than the rest, but really I'm doing a mitzvah with everything. I had to measure everything and pull out this percentage. So really my mitzvah is coming from all of my grain, and all of it gets a certain uh, sanctified status. Of course, we can expand this to our everyday lives. It's difficult to do a mitzvah all the time. I mean, we put on tefillin, and everyone does all different kinds of mitzvahs, but there's also a large part of our day that might just be working or just just tending to our physical needs. But if we give away a portion of the whole to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we dedicate a portion of our energy and our money and our talent and our attention 
to doing mitzvahs, so that sanctifies the entire whole from which it comes. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash